Hello, creativity lovers. Before we go any further with this podcast episode, I just want to flag with you that we had a few technical issues throughout this recording. However, uh, I absolutely love the conversation and I think there's tons of value in it. So we have decided to go ahead and put this episode out into the wide world. Just flagging that with you, it's not exactly the same audio standard as some of our other episodes. Now let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Creativity Uncovered. My name is Abby Gatling and I am on a journey to uncover how everyday people find inspiration, get inventive and open their imagination. In this podcast, I'm finding out how people use creativity at home, at work, at play, and everything in between. And my goal through these conversations is that by the end of it, you'll be armed with a whole suite of tried and tested ways to summon creativity the next time that you need it. Today, I am speaking with Tony Zarafa, who is a flash fiction author, a podcaster, and a teacher. And I am super curious to find out how these three things relate and how they came to be. So welcome, Tony. Thank you. Thank you for having me on and um, looking forward to having a, a good chat. Yes. <laughs> Look, I, I purposely kept that intro a little short, a flash intro, if you will. I'm taking a leaf out of your book. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I did mention that amongst other things, you are a flash fiction writer. And um, that's not really a term that I've come across before. So let's start off. Can you tell me a bit about what is flash fiction and how did you get into it? Um well, I've always loved writing, um, and ever since I was little, I was had my head down. I was more comfortable in a book, and I was more I was happy writing things down. Um, as I got a little bit older, and sort of as with the passage of time, the writing sort of tended to drift away a little bit, and you sort of get bogged down in the um, monotony of life, and you know you just sort of you, you lose that sort of creative spark. So I came across flash flash fiction actually. Um, my wife was having a chat and we were sort of talking and she is an avid blog reader. So mm -hmm. I jumped on a few blogs and did a little bit of reading and discovered that there's a really short form of fiction called flash fiction. So what flash fiction is, is it's a story in less than a thousand words. Um, and what appealed to me about flash fiction is that you have to be really concise with your characterization, with your language choice, with your plot. Um, but what I really did like is that it can actually be resolved in a short amount of time. So obviously being a teacher, I'm always looking at ways to engage kids with reading and writing. Um, kids these days in terms of their attention and what they can focus on, a lot of them don't tend to read novels, but they'll read shorter forms of writing. So I thought, well, what if I wrote some things that could be read in five or six minutes, but could be all sort of a complete package and tell a story? So I did a little bit of research. I did did a little bit of reading, and then I took the plunge in November last year um, and started doing some writing and committed to um, writing a piece every day for 365 days. So I'm about 220 odd days into the journey. Wow, um, that's great. Yeah. yeah, and then I got onto writing a blog. So I wrote it for a little while and I thought I'd sort of keep it to myself and 
was really reluctant to sort of put writing out there because uh, in the minute you put your writing out there, the minute you put yourself out there, you open yourself to critique. So again, I'll thank my wife for the inspiration. She said, well, you've read blogs. Why don't you start one? So I did. Um, and it's, I sort of started it in about January this year and I've been sort of writing um, fortnightly ever since. So I've got about 52, 53 stories over on the blog. Um, and, yeah, I've sort of honed my craft. My first few pieces were a little bit um, rough and ready, um, but they've sort of improved. Like with anything that you do, Abby, as you can probably appreciate, the more you do it, it's like exercise, the better you get at it. And hopefully... Um, the writing is improving. Yes, totally agree. I mean, you make it sound so easy, like, oh, I thought of that and then I just did it. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, it's very courageous to actually even start that um, because, so you said you're an English teacher, is that right? Yes, so I've been an English teacher for 20 years. So I teach sort of year seven through to year 12. Um, and the students are also an inspiration too because, Part of my motivation for writing or part of my inspiration was that I, I ask students to write creatively all of the time. Um, and I'm very big on, on modelling what I'm practising when I preach. So if I'm expecting junior students and senior students to write creatively, then I need to know how to be able to do it myself and sort of have some strategies or some tools that sort of allow um, students to develop their skills and then um, as an adult sort of putting those things into practice. Yeah, wow. So how has um how has started starting writing, how has that impacted your teaching then? It's really methodical. So um when you sort of go about writing, you have to have that creative spark. So as you when you talk about creativity, there has to be something there that um ignites an idea. So whether it's a little and it can be something really incidental. So I went back to the process. So I teach sort of in school and when you teach kids how to write, it's really process-driven. You teach them how to generate ideas in a structured way. You teach them how to plan in a structured way. You teach them how to write in a, in a structured way. Um, and for education purposes, that's okay. But real creativity sort of just resonates from anything. So I started um, practising different ways that I write and some of the ways that I've been teaching um, and I, I sort of on reflection hadn't been really effective because I've tried to sort of use the strategies I taught and some of them didn't work because writing, as you know, creativity is not always structured. Sometimes it just generates by osmosis. It just, it just happens. So yeah. it sort of caused me to reflect on the way that I teach kids on how to harness their creativity. So I've had to go back sort of to the drawing board a little while um, and I've even actually shared my work with some of the kids too. Um, and they've given me some uh, constructive feedback at times, but it's <laughs> it's it's actually really opened up a dialogue for for creativity. And creativity is really hard for especially young people who live um, in a really different world than sort of people who are a little bit older living. So um, yeah, I've had to really go back and reflect on the practices and really try and hone my own writing craft so I can um, get better at teaching it. That's amazing. It seems like a two-way street. You know, you're writing more to improve your teaching and, and your teaching is probably improving your writing as well. It is. It is. Um, and I'm, I'm consciously reading more. I'm consciously aware of different language types. And with flash fiction, it's you, you do have to do that because, you know, we read novels that are 300 pages long, but in flash fiction, you've really got, you've got four pages and you've got to resolve a character, you've got to resolve a plot, 
um, you've got to be, every line has to be doing some heavy lifting. So, um, and that's really part of what we teach as well with kids is that you haven't got a lot of time. You need to sort of get, get and make sure that every word and every phrase is working for you. Wow. Getting the most out of every single word. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, just, just, just a little bit. You've got to have fun too. Like, and, and the good thing with creativity is that you're not always going to get it right. Like it's not, it's not, and, and what people's idea of what is right is really subjective and being creative is, is really different for different people. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. It's what is right. It's just not someone's opinion, you know? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you were saying that you were sort of an avid writer as as a kid and it sort of dropped off along the way. Did you think that going into um, becoming an English teacher was going to give you that opportunity to get back into writing or to be creative or did you seeking out that that writing opportunity outside of work, was that sort of you trying to inject more creativity back into your life? A little bit of both. So I've always, always been a reader and always, I always, it sounds really corny, but I take great joy out of seeing children achieving things, um, especially when they've got sort of that nucleus of an idea. So in English, we teach a lot of different forms. We teach formal writing, we teach different types of reading, um, but writing's been my passion. It always has been. So I've always loved um, to write. Um, I found sort of a couple of years ago, I was feeling a bit bland, a bit sort of a bit flat with what I was doing. And I was teaching all of these things and um and I sort of hadn't picked up a pen and write creatively for for a really long time. Um, and I felt like I needed to sort of have that outlet um to sort of explore different ideas and um different thinking. So um life experience too. So initially when I started writing it was based on a lot of my, my lived experience. So um I grew up in a single parent family. Um, my dad brought us up on his own, so for a very long time. And I was surrounded by creative people. So both my sisters are, are quite creative. So one sister is, an, is a ceramic artist, and my other another sister is always um looking at doing so. She does um paper towel and she does painting and she does drawing and Mum did a lot of art and things like that. So I'd sort of put that part of myself to bed for a long time. And it's sort of a year or two ago, I thought, I need to wait, I need to awaken that a bit. So, because it's been sitting, sitting there and lying there really dormant. And I, I just need to find that again and get a bit of spark and enjoy what I'm doing again. Because you sort of fall into a bit of a, a bit of a trap um, and you just sort of go through the motions. So um, writing has really sort of freed the shackles. So I've been exploring things and sort of tapping into experiences that I thought were away for a really long time. It's, it's been fantastic this year. I've had a really, it's been a wonderful journey so far. Has it has it been a quite a cathartic experience for you? Yes, actually, <laughs> it has been quite a cathartic experience. So, um, there's a couple of pieces that I've written over on my blog that were um, sort of delving into memories and thoughts of when I was a young boy and sort of recounting what I thought were actually just dreams or just um, vague recollections, but actually turned out to be things that I remembered from when I was four or five about various events that have occurred in my life. Um, and it is quite cathartic. And some of those pieces that I've written early on really hurt to write. Um, is sort of delving into parts of yourself and exploring parts of yourself that you've sort of keep bottled away um, for your own sort of emotional protection because 
Um, you don't want to have to relive that all the time, but I suppose through writing, you have to allow yourself to explore those to those parts and go into the depths of sort of your, your soul and your psyche that you probably, probably wouldn't normally go. And I, I suppose part of starting to write is sort of me, it is quite cathartic and actually revisiting those experiences and almost giving yourself permission to um, to grieve and to question and to ask questions. And it's brought sort of the family together too because I'm very cautious early on. So some of the pieces were, were quite personal. So it's really asking permission from people as well to tell that story. And that's opened up a whole lot of um, conversations that we hadn't had for a really long time. Oh, yeah. I often wonder about that when people draw on their own personal experiences and and translate it into art, whether it be a story like yours or a painting or a song. How do you navigate? How do you navigate that? Because it's your um, personal lived experiences, but it's also kind of showing the vulnerability of others as well. Yeah, and you do have to open yourself up to being vulnerable and it's sort of you you reach sort of a point in your life where not that you stop caring what people think, but you do need to be able to find a way to um, express that so you can sort of move on and not hold on to this um, grief or sadness or or anger or, or, you know, even joy. Like it's not, the writing's not all doom and gloom. Like there's some really beautiful things that, that I remember and, and beautiful memories and um, sort of the early pieces sort of reflect on that. But you do have to, in life, allow yourself to be a little bit vulnerable. And that's, for a lot of people, that's actually really a hard thing to do, like to sort of take the sort of the walls down and actually let let people um, have a glimpse. It's, it's, it is a really difficult thing to do. Definitely. It's kind of bearing a little part of your soul to someone else, which, and by putting it out there, you're, um, I guess, opening it up for critique and criticism and commentary. Um, How do you deal with that when it's such a personal, when you're writing about personal um, topics? It's actually quite affirming in a lot of ways. To to be truthful, I haven't had sort of a lot of negative um, feedback or comments. So I publish primarily on a blog um, and I'm looking sort of in the next year or two to, to sort of put that into a book or a novella. So that's sort of a work that's sort of sitting there in, in, in the background. Um, I suppose for me, it's actually brought sort of family together and it's actually given a, a voice to things that we sort of as a family, sometimes we haven't really spoken about for a long time. So I know there was there was one particular piece that comes to mind. It was called um, Memories, Myths and Magic. And it was me recalling some experiences that I had with my um, sister who lives in Scotland. And I, we hadn't seen each other for a very long time, but it was um, me recalling that memory. And we had a really long phone call prior, like, prior to me publishing it. And then she opened it up and she just wept she was just reading it and she oh. was just crying she said how do you remember all of this how did this come to you how do you how can you recall all of this I said things like that never go away sort of your memories you might blow them up and keep them away but they never really leave you um and I've I've started publishing poetry and I've had some of the most 
heartfelt comments um, from people as well. Sort of, when, and when your writing resonates with people, sort of, it makes you feel good because your story is also telling a little bit of their story, and people sort of form that connection. So I haven't really had sort of negative kind of um, feedback. It's all been quite affirming. But um, I suppose you take the good with the bad when you do anything creative and when you go down that pursuit you have to be resilient and um and sort of take that that feedback when it comes Mm, I kind of love that that people can relate to other people's creativity like that as you said people all different people are reading it and resonating it on resonating with it on a number of different levels um like creativity is such a great connector in that way isn't it it is, and I've it's is there's so many different forms of creativity. So when you um, sort of start writing or you start exploring your own creativity, you actually look around the world, look at the world around you, and think there are a whole lot of people who are expressing their creativity in a whole variety of ways that you're just oblivious to. So um, I love me, I love music, and I'm a huge music fan. I've got it on twenty four seven, three six five, and and. I hadn't sometimes sort of sat and listened to a lot of the lyrics, but if you listen to a lot, lot music is just one of the ultimate expressions of creativity. And then, then you start to look at in a different way and the way people express themselves through their art and um, through their dance and through their performance. And um, there's just so many, so many creative ways that people can express their thoughts and ideas. But I sort of, we, we take it a little bit for granted sometimes that we sort of just go through the world and there's people who are putting their heart and soul into their creative endeavors um, that, you know, they, they might sort of have that sense of self doubt and wondering if it's actually resonating with anybody. But um, to have that connection with an artist and, and sort of through that, that artistic form is, is fantastic. Mm. Do you think that um, all creativity needs to have that sort of feedback loop um, sort of built in like that? Or can you, is it possible, is it possible and is it relevant to put it out there without anyone making comment on it? Yes, it is. Um, And I think creativity is a really, as I mentioned before, Abby, it's a really subjective process. So a lot of people engage in creative pursuits for really individual reasons. So some people through their art engage in creativity because it is a form of of catharsis. Um, They do need to sort of cleanse their own thoughts and experiences through their creative form. Um, And I suppose you go through that element of doubt when you do sort of engage in a creative pursuit because you think, well, what if nobody reads it but it takes a long time or, or looks a little or, or engages with it but the art the art is for the for the people around you but but the artist for the artist I think for the artist and a way to find their way of, of of creatively expressing themselves in whatever form that they choose so I don't the feedback and the affirmation is nice but I don't think it's necessary for creativity. I think people can be creative without sort of having that sort of um, pat on the back affirmation all the time because it is a really subjective thing. Mm. Do you think, would you have the same level of fulfilment with your writing if you got it to the point of being finished but never releasing it? Or do you think that's an important part for you as well? I wasn't going to release anything yet because I, I don't want to, I don't want to be doing that till it's um till it's quite ready. Um, yeah. But yeah, I suppose that for me the 
and I've always, as part, again, sort of coming back to teaching, which I've been doing for a long time, I talk about the journey rather than the destination. And again, it sounds really cliched, but um, I'm very much sort of of that belief is that that journey has just as much value as that end product. So, you know, if, if you sort of have those experiences along the way that have shaped you as a person and you've found a way that you can express yourself and your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions around that, um, and that for you as an individual has been a positive experience, then that's where the value is. Um, it's sort of no point becoming despondent because nobody's reading your book or nobody's giving you a like on Instagram or nobody's reading your blog. Um, you have to sort of move past that and sort of go back to the core purpose of what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it for. But that has to be sort of coming from a place, you have to be in a good place emotionally yourself to, to realise that. Yes, I agree. And I, yeah, I agree that it's a it's a journey, not a destination. And and if you have a if you have a wonderful piece at the end of it that you're happy to share with in the world, that's fantastic. But I think that's a bonus, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So let's jump back and talk about um, your writing a, a bit more because um, I know you've said that you um, have written about some kind of personal topics and reflecting on your childhood, What? what I, but you don't always write serious things. I've listened to a, a couple of your podcast episodes and some of it's quite mythical and magical. And so tell me, what do you write about and, and how do you choose what you what your next topic is going to be about? Yeah, look, I'm... The thing that sort of motivates me with my writing is sort of the characters. So um, I sort of have characters that live that live in my head. Um, I've got a lot of voices, not sort of in a bad way, but I've got a lot of things going <laughs> on in my brain all the time. Um, and sometimes I tend to write about the, the I, look, I, I write about the fringes, the people on the fringes, and sometimes the things that people think about wanting to do that never sort of get around to doing, or um, sort of looking at sort of what happens sort of behind the mask or behind closed doors. So um, quite a few of my stories are, are, are sort of in a, in a serial form. So they're called what's called a, a novella in flash. So they've sort of individual flash fiction stories, but they follow a sequence. So they follow a narrative plot. Um, and sometimes the characters, sometimes the plot and the characters drive themselves. So it could be as simple as or innocuous as, as looking at a picture. Um, so looking at something that might inspire me. So it might have been a, a dusty road sort of down in the country. And I think, okay, um, what could happen at the end of that dusty road? There's a house. Well, what happens in that house? And I start telling a story to people who live in that house. Is it just a regular kind of place? Um, and sort of let stories um, evolve from there. So it could be an image. Um, it could be a character. It could be a song that I've heard. It just depends on what sort of has the creative um, spark. So I've tended now to move away from the individual stories because it gets quite taxing having to write two pieces. I publish two pieces a week on a blog. Um, and coming up with different ideas all the time sometimes does get a little bit difficult. Um, so I now started writing sort of that, those um, novellas in flash, so those pieces that sort of follow a character or a sequence or a plot to sort of allow me to develop um, a particular line or a particular character or a particular idea. But I'm very character-driven. My characters are the centre of my story, and I tend to write a lot in first person. So um, I like to become um, one with the characters and some of them are quite humorous some of them are quite ghoulish um and quite dark so it just depends on um on on what what the mood takes me i suppose 
So it's just kind of a beautiful exploration of your imagination and you can be inspired by a range of different things. It can, it can, it can come along um, from, from anything, but sometimes if I've just got a character in my head, I'll, I'll build a story around a character. So um, one of the stories I've written was about... Um, of a housewife who lived a, a very suburban lot, a regular life, and um, much to her husband had no idea that she was actually um, a contract killer. So he oh. would be at home, um, he's living his life, and she would go out and, and on, the, on the guise of having drinks with her friends, and she would go out and do the things that, um, you know, that, that are quite ghoulish. So I actually like to explore the, the duality of people as well. So what the mask that they wear, sort of what society sees of them um, versus the kinds of things that we sort of keep behind. That's sort of a lot of the, a lot of the ideas sort of behind my writing is what people see versus the reality of what people are. That sort of tends to be a big motivator with, um, with, with sort of my creative outlets. That's not a personal story, right? You're not a secretly a contract killer. <laughs> No, no, not at all. But um, my wife does get a little bit of a giggle when I read about those things, and um, so a lot of it is is tongue in cheek. So a lot, and a, a lot of it, as I said, is is just sort of finding different ways of um of, of sort of expressing my thoughts and ideas. <laughs> and you sort of mentioned it before the the sort of the struggle of keeping up with demand. You do two, you write two things a week. You also produce two podcasts a week, right? How yes. How what happens when you come up with like a a creative block and, or you're just sort of struggling to get started? What what's your process for getting into flow? It's funny you mentioned it because I've actually sort of started to sort of hit that sort of creative block of late. So I, what I've actually done is rather than um, looking at the, the form, sort of the, the flash fiction form, and doing two of those of. I've started to explore different creative outlets. So I've started to sort of delve into poetry. Um, so I'm writing short of, short of free verse kind of poems, um, lyrical prose, haikus. So sort of still expressing my creativity, but not in a way that's um, sort of as sort of taxing or as time consuming as what it is to develop a, a full kind of narrative. So sometimes... With a creative block, you have to look at other ways you can express your creativity. And sometimes it's as simple as walking away and giving it a little bit of a break. Um, so it's not sustainable to sort of um, just look at it as as work that needs to be churned out. So I'm sort of at that point now, sort of in the next little while, where I may be pulling back to maybe doing a podcast once a week and maybe blogging once a week because I just need, I feel like I need to have that little bit of a, a slowdown time just to let my mind sort of rest and um, sort of get reinvigorated. So the creative block is sort of, is, is the, the struggle is, is real. Um, but sometimes you do just need to step away um, from um, your outlet and look at other ways that you can express yourself. So um, if you do have a block, it's finding another way that you can do that. So whether it's through um, different forms of writing or if you're a painter, you might not paint for a little while if you're, if, or, or you might immerse yourself in something different just to find a different way of expressing yourself creatively. So you do have to be kind to yourself and you do have to give yourself some time away from your... Um, from your form to sometimes find that spark again yes yeah definitely it's it's the first step I think is a creative block and then if you 
keep pursuing that without changing anything, that's when you can get to creative burnout, which is way harder to come back from. Yes. Yeah. And you've got to, you've really got to be conscious of that. So art and creativity is, is not something that you should just be doing just to, to churn out product. It is, as I've mentioned before, it's a form of expression. So if you need to take that break, then you sort of, you know, you might do so, do something completely different and completely change it up. Um, but I suppose in a workplace and, and where you have to be creative all the time, that would be really, really difficult. So um, I sort of, I empathise with a lot of people who have to do that sort of in whatever profession where they've got to be creative all the time. So if, have you, uh, can I ask you a question, Abby, if that's okay? <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, sort of when you're doing your job in, in, in marketing and sort of liaising with people, what are the strategies that you use to sort of to overcome your creative blocks? Oh, that's a good question. I don't normally have this, <laughs> have it turned on me like this. But, yeah, as you were saying that, I was thinking, yeah, it is It is true. It's, um, you know, as a marketing agency and people come to us for branding and new ideas to get their business out of there, they kind of just expect that you are this unlimited tap, like like creativity on demand. Um, and yeah. that's, that's a huge amount of pressure. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. You know, you might be tired. You might have a thousand other things on your to-do list. Um, you maybe just don't click with what the vision of, you know, whatever the brief is. Um and there's a couple of ways that I get around it. One of them is this podcast <laughs> because I realize that when uh, the, the time that I feel most creative is when I'm talking about creativity with other people. I can't help but have a smile on my face when I'm hearing you talk about your creativity. So that was one of the things that last year I came across is that I'm, you know, as we get busier and busier and more clients, um, that creative um, block can um, appear reappear more and more regularly so I needed to do something about it so it was kind of just my reflection of okay how do I find my spark let's think about it there's a bunch of different ways playing around with ideas sketching things out going for a walk but the most consistent thing that comes back to me is having these conversations so that's my process for <laughs> <laughs> for challenging that in myself. Sorry for turning the questions on you. I, I'm, I'm, I should be answering the questions, shouldn't I? <laughs> no, so, I yeah, love it's, it's, a, it's a teacher. It's a teacher habit coming out, and you're just asking questions. So, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's good. I think part of the whole thing with this podcast is is finding out how people tackle these these issues that come up which are common across all, all creatives um, and hearing how different people approach it. So, I mean, it's fantastic to hear your way and I'm happy to share my way as well. So thanks for asking me the question. No, that's, that's, that's fine. Um, <laughs> and it's a really difficult thing. Like it's, it's something that we sort of, we, we ask people to be creative all the time in our various fields. And I know we're teaching, I'm asking kids to be creative all the time, but um, what I what really enjoy in actually talking about creativity is that, you sort of you have to have those tools in 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 your kit to sort of when you do have those creative blocks, how do you overcome that? And when you're teaching people and uh, and other people are expecting you to be creative, um, how you actually overcome um that those sort of those blocks? So it's it's a really challenging thing to sort of to do. Mm, yeah, I agree. And what you said before about being kind to yourself is so important because. 
if you come across a creative block and you start getting stressed and you let your pressure levels rise, especially, you know, if you've got a deadline or something like that, you're never going to achieve it. It's being kind to yourself, giving yourself the time to have that break, do whatever else you need to do to work through it and come back to it and not let it shake your confidence because uh, confidence is key with all of this. <laughs> it is, it is. And, and, and getting that sort of that feedback and sort of that affirmation is, look, I know I mentioned before, it's sort of, it's it can be a bit of a selfless exercise, but we also need a little bit of affirmation sort of to, to sort of give us that sort of inspiration to, to drive, uh, drive us forward. And I know sort of reflecting back on teaching and asking kids to be creative, that one comment that you give to a child or a student that says, I really like what you've written here. I love this turn of phrase. I love this word. I really like this character. I love this plot. Um, have you thought about doing this? And they go, oh, you see them sort of sitting up a little bit straighter. So, so the, the affirmation is really important. So I suppose that's part of the writing is, is and teaching writing and becoming a writer sort of myself. Um, it's sort of being conscious of that too. And, and when, you, when you teach kids, that's, we all need that affirmation. We all need to say, hey, I really like that. And if it's resonated with people, that's actually a really affirming thing to have as well. Yes, definitely. It- I think think people um, realize the impact that thoughtful feedback can have on people. Just um, even if it's just something small, like just a one line, the fact that you have taken the time to listen, think about it, and then provide that feedback in a constructive way can have such a great impact on on the other person. Absolutely. Positive, positive feedback is, is the key. Um, and for some people, it's, it's just, you might have viewed, they viewed their art or viewed their creative endeavors, but it's about being noticed and it's about sort of being um, recognized and, and acknowledged because, you know, to put something there to, to sort of be read or to be viewed or no, of a podcast when you're creating a podcast to be listened to you are allowing yourself to be vulnerable and it is nice to get that affirmation um you know and it's it's what creative people need because if you do sort of make that connection and you notice that people are reading or listening or viewing or or taking in what you're doing um it gives you does give you that spark to go forward and to continue with your with your creativity but um yeah, positive feedback is is a, is is a real key, and it's something that I suppose is really un- undervalued. And what I don't like with a lot of things that go on, sort of in media and social media, is that people are quick to nitpick and criticise. But people put their heart and soul into a lot of things that they, they they create, and you know that one negative comment can send that person sort of down into that spiral. This, why would you need to be negative for? Why do you need to sort of fill up the space with negative vibes or negative comments? affirm people build them up make them feel good um it's it's not hard Mm, yeah and i I (laughs) it's a warning to everyone out there i don't think social media is a place to get get that positive feedback because there's there um even just my own experience like uh, i know that people are way more likely to yeah say something negative or do an angry face or something like that on on social they're more likely to do that than do the like face love the comment um but then you know i run into people on the street and they're like hey i listened to this that was really good or whatever and i'm like well why didn't you why didn't you do that online yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why did you leave it to now you just let, let the troll stay online but anyway that's just a little warning to everyone but <laughs> 
So we, I mean, we talked a bit about your how you work with creative blocks. Can you tell me when do you feel you're most inspired and you're most in creative? Um, when I'm actually not sort of when I'm like deeply engaged in sort of correcting and sort of in in, in the monotony of work, and I've got my mind is actually free to to wander and 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 sort of. Um, be free sort of from the monotony of the everyday um, so school holidays are great weekends are great but it's actually finding sort of that um, create that time to allow yourself and give your mind permission to to wander and be free we get so caught up in in the busyness of um, of our lives that we sort of don't give our minds space to be creative because um for a lot of time, it's actually sort of not deemed as worthy. You're always looking at and a lot of people focus on the needing to make money or, or coping with the next bill or or dealing with um, whatever. We, we live sort of in a triage kind of life um, and we don't sort of give our minds permission to be creative. It's almost not okay. So it's being really conscious of giving your mind the space to 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 breathe and to, and to be free and say, you know what, I'm just going to listen to some music or I'm just going to go for a walk I'm just going to be inspired by something around me and I'm just going to let the mind wander and it's being really being really mindful of yourself and mindful of your surroundings and almost giving yourself that permission to to sort of be free and sometimes when you when your mind is free you uh, the creativity just flows so when you're away from work and you're away from the routine and you're away from that monotony of the everyday your mind sort of relaxes and then you sort of it's almost like opening up different chapters in a book so it's it's the chapters you sort of oh I hadn't read that part yet. I haven't looked at that for a little while. And then that sort, that sort of part opens and then you um, sort of delve into something else. So it's being away from work. And in those quiet times too, it's actually sort of building and a sort of counterintuitive or counter, it goes against what I've said, but you've got to block yourself time to allow to do that too during the week. So you can't just sort of be creative in sort of set periods of time, like two weeks every two weeks out of every 10, I'm going to be creative. That's not how it works. <laughs> um, it's giving yourself time during the day to let your mind just be free and being really mindful and whether you meditate or whether you listen to music and whether you do something just to be aware of yourself and to be conscious of who you are and where you're at. That's where that creativity comes. So sometimes that's where it comes from me. So during the week at nighttime, the kids are in their rooms and they're doing their thing and I'm sitting there sort of just listening to some music and trying to chill out. Um, that's when a lot of the ideas tend to come. And sometimes you just get a run on with an idea and you've just got to pursue it. So um, it's conscious, conscious blocks of time, but also sort of away from that routine and that monotony of, of the everyday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I understand what you're saying when you say it says it's kind of counterintuitive to have it planned ahead of time, but on to take a different view of that, I think it's actually showing to yourself subconsciously that it's important and it's an important act for you to be creative because, you know, we plan out our lives to the minute a lot of people, you know, we block out time for work, we block out time for sport and whatever. If you actually go and you block out time for creativity, it is showing that it's an important part of you and it's non-negotiable that you're going to be doing that. Absolutely, and you do have to you do have to prioritize that. So, um, I don't think we we give ourselves permission to be in the silence. Um, so the silence from the world and 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 being creative, you need to give yourself permission to say, you know what, 
it's actually okay for me to be creative. It's actually okay to find some time in my day where I can harness that creativity in whatever form that I choose. And, and you know, it's, it is giving us our permission to do that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, um, Tony, that was just uh, such an interesting conversation. We spoke a little bit about your writing, but I just really loved hearing your views on creativity and where, where it can take you. So um, thanks so much for sharing all of that with me today. Thank you, Abby. I appreciate um, the opportunity to come on um, to come on the podcast. I <laughs> know. Uh, uh, I think that's fantastic that you've given me that time on your school holidays, no, no less. Um, and I will pop the links to your podcast and to your blog it, on my website so people can go and have a little sticky beak there. Um, it's well worth a check out. And um, also thank you to everyone who has actually tuned in today to Creativity Uncovered. Uh, I really hope that um, today's episode has inspired you to put your words into action. Um, <laughs> pardon the pun. That one just slipped out. Um, <laughs> and I really, really hope that uh, what we discussed today helps you summon your creativity the next time that you need it. Uh, thanks and catch you next time. If you've made it this far, a huge thank you for your support and tuning into today's episode. Creativity Uncovered has been lovingly recorded on the land of the Cubby Cubby people, and we pay our respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This podcast has been produced by my amazing team here at Crisp Communications, and the music you just heard was composed by James Gatling. If you liked this episode, please do share it around and help us on our mission to unlock more creativity in this world. You can also hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episode releases.